Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and today we're talking to the CEO of Young and Profiting Media, Hala Taha. People think Hala's so lucky since she has the number one podcast across all platforms, but it's the hard work and determination it took to get there. She tells us now, if you focus on the positive and keep your eyes on the prize type of a mentality, then you can always keep going. Hala's a big believer in the secret and that we get to have anything we set our minds to and focus on. Right now, we get to hear this motivational interview with Hala. She's well known for her engaged following and influence. Hala says your greatest accomplishments always come on the heels of failure, at least hers have, and why you just need to keep going. And she gives us great tools and suggestions on how to succeed. She's just such a plethora of information and and amazing advice in this episode. So right now we get to hear Hala talk about how anyone can pivot and have success no matter what your current circumstances. She's come back numerous times from setbacks and is here to tell you how you can have all of these connections too, right now. So welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Hala Taha. Hey, happy to be here, Lauren. Thanks. Well, first, congratulations on all your successes, especially in this last year during COVID. It's really remarkable. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's been a crazy year. My family actually was impacted by COVID and it could have been the worst year of my life, but I turned it around to be the best year of my life. So it's, it's been really exciting. Yeah. I, that's amazing. And I'm so sorry that for you and your family, I, I know it's tough. You have a team of 40 employees. Do you find that difficult to manage, especially I would imagine it's remote? Yeah. Well, we've always been a remote team. The way that my company started was actually with a team of volunteers. So I have a podcast called Young and Profiting. And from the start, I had a lot of fanatical fans who volunteered to work for the show. And so they would message me on LinkedIn, and, and which is my main platform. And they would say, I just want to work for you. I just want to learn from you. And so I started a Slack channel way back when, almost three years ago. And that's that was the start of Yap Media. It was me just deciding to start a Slack channel where I would invite all these volunteers. And then now these volunteers are team leads and they get paid. And, and it's a whole different ballgame these days. But when we were first starting, it was just people working for free, volunteering, and they were all over the world from Estonia, from Georgia, California, UK, you name it. We had people everywhere just working for free on the podcast. And it's, so it's always been a global remote team. That's amazing because I use Slack for my law practice, but just within the law practice or clients once in a while for just a discreet period but I've never used it in that way. So that that's very interesting to hear it like that. I, I actually love that idea. Do you have trouble managing that many people during this time? And with did have you always managed large groups? Like how did you end up? Yeah, I've always been a leader and I've always attracted teams without even really trying to. So when I was in college, I started something called the Sorority of Hip Hop. It was a very popular blog site for entertainment. And I had 50 female bloggers under me and I did that while I was in college. And then, you know, I went on to corporate at one point in my life and I started the Young Employee Network at the company and I had a big following there and I was leading basically 7,000 young employees at Hewlett Packard at one point. Then I was the president of my alumni association and, and led all my alumni at, at my school. And uh, YAP was just the next thing, you know, in terms of my leadership. And when I first started Young and Profiting Podcast, because I had that blog site with 50 female bloggers, I was a little bit scarred because I was uh, that was my first entrepreneurial adventure. And I was like 25 years old and I had a 
50 girls under me. And it was really hard. And there was like a lot of drama. And I was like responsible for everybody's success. And it was just really hard for me. And when I started Young and Profiting Podcast, I wanted to do it by myself for that reason. I was like, I don't want a big team again. I don't want to grow too fast. I grew too fast last time. And it kind of bit me in the butt. And this time I want to do it totally by myself. I just want it to be me. And then now I have 40 people on my team. So it's like, it just, it just happens. You know, it's, it's, I, I'm a really motivational person and I also love to teach, which is why I do office hours and things on clubhouse, which is why maybe how you even found out about me. Right. And that kind of a teacher mentality, I think just attracts a lot of people to who just want to learn and, and be under my wing. So how do you avoid the drama today? I, well, first of all, I'm older. And so I know how to like not instigate drama myself and also just like kind of keep, keep the cool. And the way that I avoid drama is a having really good processes. You know, we're all about systems and processes and making sure everybody knows what their responsibilities are. I have team leads in place that manage each work stream of my business. Our our business is scaling super fast. And so I need to make sure that I have smart people who are leading each arm and, and that uh, folks have people to kind of connect with and, and talk to and vent to and get direction from. I also make sure that priorities are really clear. I also, you know, hire really happy people. I have four H's, which is a requirement in terms of our values. And it's happy, hungry, hardworking, and hands-on. And everybody has to fit that bill. And if you don't, you leave. You know what I mean? And it's so uh, everyone's super happy. And if we have a bad apple, they leave. And and we don't really let rotten apples spoil the rest of the bunch at, at Young and Profiting Podcast and Yap Media. So it's all about having a really healthy company culture. I think it starts with the leadership. I set the tone in terms of our culture and that trickles down to the employees and everybody supports each other because we don't have that type of a toxic environment and we don't allow it. So uh, really important to me in terms of company culture. And I think that's why my company has been successful is because everyone is so happy working for me that they it trickles down to the clients and the way that we treat our clients and, and the way that we go above and beyond. Do you have everything written out of like this is this, these are our values. This is what we believe in. Do you have a vision, and this is what we adhere to, or and this is what everybody's responsibilities are, or has it been kind of makeshift as you're growing so fast? How are you doing that? We're doing a lot of check-ins, so I don't have anything like documented. Like this is our vision. This is what we believe in. Everybody knows our values because we talk about it all the time. But we have a lot of team check-ins, and I have a lot of one-on-ones, even with people who are lower on the team. I make sure that I have FaceTime with everyone, that I'm available to everyone, that their managers are available and have some sort of a cadence in terms of getting feedback. I'm always asking people like, what can be improved? What do you like? What do you dislike? What do you want to learn? Where do you want to go? And I'm really trying to tailor people to where they fit best in terms of their talents. And that really helps because then people are happy because they're working on their goals and their ambitions. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people on my team are really young. We've got a lot of people under 25 working for Yap Media and that's really young. And it's a lot of training and handholding. But we've got the programs in place and the talent in place to kind of guide these people on the right avenues. Yeah, but they, I mean, they work hard and fast. They're fast. Like, they get yeah. done. I, I love that whole generation. It's my daughter's a junior in college, so I know that generation. And I love hiring people like that. I, I know how great they are. I, I, I just, I admire that. How fast you're you're growing is amazing and I love how you teach and you're available and you're so nice and and giving do you think you've always been this person who oh people follow and or do you think you're you've grown into this 
Yeah. I mean, I've always had, I love to teach. I love to give back. And I think it stems from my father. He was a very giving man and he came from nothing and really just gave back to my whole family, pulled my whole family out of poverty, sent all of my cousins in Palestine to college. And we just really, he always gave back. And so I always felt like I started in this life with a major advantage. By the time I was born, my parents were well off and, you know, I got everything that I wanted in life. And so I always would wonder like, how do I give back? How do I kind of make sure that other people get opportunities the way that my dad gave my cousin oppor- cousins opportunities and even his kids, you know? So how do I, how do I give that back? And so I think it's just, just like this inner guilt that I grew up uh, more privileged than other people. And I just really, really want to make sure that I help people level up their life and help people understand that life is limitless. And I've, I've seen it all. I'm not one of those people who grew up with money and, and didn't see poverty. I would go to Palestine every summer and, and see what was going on and, and really impact me in terms of like how I think about the world and, and how I treat the world. And so I just love to give back. It's it's a passion of mine. And that's why I started a Young and Profiting podcast. It had 100% pure intentions. I never thought I would monetize it. I never, per, I didn't even purposely start Yap Media. It was all supposed to be a side hustle forever. And it just, one thing led to another and it just blew up. But honestly, I, I started it with pure intentions. I want to be able to interview the smartest people in the world and provide actionable and advice to all the people listening. I felt like it could give me a platform to build my personal brand, but at the same time, educate all these people and help people. And that pure intention was evident from the start, which is why I had fanatical fans, which is why people worked on the podcast for free for the vision, for the mission, and why we ended up uh, growing so fast. And now, you know, we're one of the most popular podcasts in the world. I'm top 1% in terms of my downloads and rankings. So, um, Pure intentions can go a long way, I have to say. You believe in the law of attraction. I've heard you talk about that. Do you want to discuss that a little bit and what it is that you visualize if that's how you use the law of attraction? Yeah, so the law of attraction is something that I've always believed in. It's something that I really tapped into once I was 19 years old. I was in college. I had a bad breakup, and I was trying to get out of it and and get in the right mental state, and that's when I discovered the law of attraction. And up until that point, I was pretty damn average. You know, I, I, other than singing, I had no talent, right? I didn't think I had a talent. I was always like, (laughs) I was always like a a B plus student. Like I was never even an A plus student. I, I just was not a star. You know what I mean? And nobody, if you, if you even like mentioned my, like my name to people who went to high school with me, it's not that I was a loser or anything like that, but I don't think I don't think anybody expected this from me. Right. And it's because also because I was Palestinian and when I was in high school, uh, that was nine 11 was still fresh. And I think that I didn't get a lot of opportunities for that reason. And so I think that's part of it because I may have been talented, but I was like rejected from everything. I was, they wouldn't even let me on the talent show, which is, that's a whole other story, but it's like, so it's like, I was really kind of penalized for my nationality in high school. And when I went to college, it was all different because I went to Newark. I was in NGIT. I was in Newark, New Jersey, super diverse area. All of a sudden I went from being like average to like the most popular girl in school and captain of the cheerleading team and lead of the play. And then I got into the law of attraction and I landed this internship at Hot 97, which was huge. It's like the number one hip hop and R&B station in the world. I then dropped out of school, became Angie Martinez's assistant for three years hung out with celebrities, dated Chris Brown. Like I was like rocking it and it just, everything just skyrocketed once I got into college. And I think it was due to the law of attraction and then also due to people just starting to say yes to me. I was so used to 
people saying no to me, you know, in high school, like I said, I tried out for the volleyball team. They said, no, I tried out for the cheerleading team. They said, no, I tried out for the talent show. They said, no, like they didn't give me any opportunities. They wouldn't give me opportunities because honestly, because of my name, uh, because I was talented in terms of my, my singing abilities and things like that. They didn't want to give me a chance. I went to college and I had no fear of failure because I was so used to people telling me no, but I still had that drive in me. So I just went after it. I, I, I ran for class president. I, I decided I wanted to lead my sorority. I decided I would try out for the cheerleading team and, and all these things. And and I just started getting the yeses and then the momentum kept happening. And, and then one thing led to another. I launched the sorority of hip hop and then MTV wanted to film us for a reality TV show. So I went from like, totally average to like this girl that everybody was like how did you do this like how did this happen how are you working at hot 97 you're so young how are you getting a show on mtv how did you build this website and it was really just believing in myself and also having that mentality that like who cares if they say no everybody has told me no my whole life so it's just another no to add to the list Get you closer to a yes anyway. And I don't believe that you were ever mediocre. It's just you were experiencing the discrimination in high school, which sucks. And it probably gives you empathy for everything going on now, I know. And I grew up in a very, I mean, there were plenty of Jews, but I still experienced discrimination in high school. So I understand. I remember one of my friends, we connected on Facebook. We were the two Jews that worked at this place, and they used to refer to us as those Jews. Oh, my God. I know. And I'm from the D.C. area. It's very Jewish. But still, that was our job where we worked. That's what they would call us. We were 16. And I don't know. I never told my parents. I don't know if she did or not. But we we still talk about it on social media and stuff. So, I mean, it stigmatizes you and it doesn't leave. But I know with all the discrimination, I'm a discrimination. I fight discrimination as a profession, as a lawyer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, for for decades now I've been doing that and I'm sure it stays with you with all the hate crimes and everything yeah it's terrible what's happening to Asian Americans right now it's so sad because it's like it's not their fault and it's the same thing what happened to me with 9-11 it's like I had the best family like my dad was such a great member of the community he was a doctor and like I had such a good family and then for everyone to to kind of discriminate us was kind of just like how like we're just doing what we're like what every American should be doing and somehow we're getting punished for rotten apples you know what I mean so it's just tough yeah it's it's awful and it's not new it's just making it's in the media now yeah it just it's a different group it's like there's a different group every 10 years that gets targeted essentially now like people are laying off Arabs and now it's all about Chinese people let's be mean to Chinese people right African Americans forever and yeah, and then African Americans just never get a break. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, so during uh, COVID, have you had to pivot, or did you really like take off during COVID? What What has been your experience during this time? Yeah, everything has taken off for me during COVID, which is like funny enough. So what happened was is that my family got COVID in March. And uh, my mom and dad both got COVID. I went home to take care of them, knowing I was going to go get COVID. Where do you live when you say you go home? I don't know. I went to New Jersey. I was in Brooklyn, and I went to New Jersey to take care of my parents. I saw them all the time, but, you know, I went home. I didn't go back to my apartment for three months because I was contaminated. You know, I I got COVID myself. My dad ended up uh, passing away, and uh, he passed. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he passed away in May, and actually, while he was in the hospitals, when I started Yap Media, and we weren't allowed to see him in the hospital. I was zooming him every single day, but it just happened. It's so weird how it all happened. It's like 
my business just skyrocketed in April, May time. My downloads basically skyrocketed. I used to get like 4,000 downloads a month. Now I get like 12,000 downloads a day on a regular day. And that's not launch days, you know, and it's just crazy that like things have grown that much. I couldn't have even imagined it back then. Like, I used to dream of, of getting 10,000 downloads a month, you know, now it's over a hundred thousand, 150,000 and it's like growing and growing. And I used to dream about that and, and think that that was not even a reality. And so I experienced this hockey stick growth. I was really strategic. We can get into how, how I got that hockey stick growth. It was all about switching my mindset in terms of, you know, not realizing that Apple is not the only game in town. And, uh, you know, I started Yap Media. I, I blew up on LinkedIn over the past couple of years, like that's something that I've been, that's been going well for a long time. But for a while, my presence on LinkedIn didn't match up with the downloads of my podcast. It's like my down, my podcast looked bigger than it really was, right? Because I had this big brand on LinkedIn, but my podcast downloads were, they were okay, but they weren't crazy like they are now. And what happened was is that I just started taking social media clients. What I found is that people would come on my podcast and they would always ask me after they came on, who does your marketing? Your marketing's so amazing. And Heather Monahan came on and she's a confidence expert, the world's like number one confidence expert. And same thing. She she was asking me, who does your marketing? Your your LinkedIn is amazing. And she's a LinkedIn influencer too. And so I started just being friendly with her, taking calls. Then she was like, Hala, I, I want to be your first client. You can't say no. What you have is as good as Gary V. I've, I've been behind the scenes with what Gary V does. She's like, you've got a whole team. You've got to monetize this. Like, you have a team of volunteers. You could just hire them. I'll pay you. Let's go. You know, and I was like, okay, fine. I'll test it. You know, I'll do your micro content videos. That's all I'm going to do. Then that led to me taking over all of her LinkedIn copy and then actually posting it. And then that led to, you know, doing her show briefs for her podcast and her bookings. And then all of a sudden I was taking over everything Heather Monahan, and she was my first real client then that gave me even more proof because Heather's a huge influencer as well then I landed my next client and it was like a 30k retainer a monthly retainer and I was like oh shit now I can hire so many people like let's go and and it just kept escalating and now we're just known to be this white glove uh you know social media podcast marketing agency for major ceos celebrities podcast influencers and we have like nine clients and it's you know we take one to two big clients a month and team has scaled to over 40 and just to give some people i, I was working at disney full-time like this wasn't my, this, this was a part-time gig that I scaled to 35 employees. Some people had quit their jobs before I did. I had people who had quit their full-time jobs who were volunteers before I did. And, uh, then finally I pulled the plug and I became a full-time entrepreneur February 1st. So I scaled this business super fast while working full-time. So it's only been a year and I'm 13 months. Six months. <laughs> Wait. I guess, I guess it's been almost like June was when I really started Yap Media. That's amazing. I love that. So there you go. Law of attraction. Yeah. It's like, I just decided I was going to do it. And you know, the key is the social proof. The key is that I, I had built brands already. I built Yap and everybody wants to be Yap now. And so I have that social proof and, and that's why the demand for the marketing agency is so high. Because this is about hope and how did, how did you get over your hard time? So your father passed away. How did, how have you and your family dealt with that? Is your mom okay? Yeah. Yeah. My mom is doing okay. I guess the way that I've made that into as much of a positive experience as possible. I mean, like just so you guys can understand, first of all, I was so close to my dad. Second of all, 
He died in a hospital by himself and was alone for over a month. And all I had was Zoom calls. So I'd be at work at Disney and like singing to him on Zoom in between my meetings. And like, it was terrible. It was so traumatizing. And they wouldn't let us visit him. And we were like begging to visit him. And and then they wouldn't let me see him until after he died. And then we weren't allowed to have a proper funeral. And it was in the beginning of COVID where everyone was so scared. So it's like my friends were like scared to be around me because I had COVID, even though I was totally fine after two weeks. But at that point, nobody knew anything. So it's like I was isolated on top of that. I spent my birthday alone. Like it was just a terrible, terrible time that a lot of people would have just like curled up into a ball and like just been like, screw the world. Life's unfair. And like could have just. I could have just ended it there, right? And just been like, things are too hard. Let me just give up. But instead, I just tried to be like, you know what? My dad wouldn't want this to happen. My dad always believed in me. My dad always wanted me to succeed. And let me like use his death and sickness as almost like motivation to for me to understand that life is not, you know, finite. There is a there is a time limit to our life and it's now or never. And I felt like I've grown this brand on LinkedIn. I've got great content. I'm either going to turn up or turn out, you know? So I just decided, let me just turn this all the way up. Let me shoot my shot every chance that I can get. And people just started saying yes and supporting me. Everything just really turned around. And I think I was building, I had the foundation for a long time. I was working hard for a long time. I was side hustling for two years But then it was just this like infliction point where I just turned it up a bit and then everything skyrocketed. Maybe your father's looking out for you. Yeah. And it could also just be my dad is just like pulling all the strings and (laughs) making it all happen. Because as soon as he died, I landed podcast magazine cover and all these things. And it was like, as soon as he passed away, I got a TEDx booked, like all these things. Matthew McConaughey came on my show. So he might be up there pulling, pulling some strings too. Well, you talk about the bright side of failure, which some people might think, what are you talking about the bright side of failure? Do you want to explain that? Yeah, I mean, there is a bright side of failure because every failure is an experience. I often talk about this uh, this thing called skill stacking, right? So the reason why my podcast is popular is because I've stacked up so many skills over the years. And Young and Profiting Podcast is not my first show. It's my fifth show. So when I was working at Hot 97, I had online radio shows. When I had Strawberry Blunt, The Sorority of Hip Hop, we had online radio shows. I had a YouTube show. I had a Facebook show. I had many shows under my belt. And so I knew how to produce a show. I knew how to audio edit. I have marketing experience, corporate marketing experience. I built many social media pages, not necessarily for myself, but for other businesses. And so I had all those skills under my belt. I had written over a thousand blogs from my blog site. I had leadership experience. I had all these experiences. I put them all together. I decided I'd start a podcast, which it was my first podcast, not my first show. It was my first solo show. It was my first business oriented show. All my other shows were about music and entertainment before that. It was the first time I ever marketed anything on LinkedIn. So there was a lot of firsts, but it was all backed up by a lot of failures and experiences. And it's like each one of those failures was like experiences that I stacked up over and over and over again. And then now I basically launched Yap and it was like, that was the magic bullet that had all the good things, the things that I'm good at in one like packaged up all the failures that I had and experiences that I had. I basically was elevated over everybody else who launched a podcast at that time because I 
had so much experience to kind of lean on, right? And experience matters. And when you start from experience, you don't start from scratch. You don't start from zero, you know, when you, sorry, when you start after a failure, you don't start from scratch, you start from experience. And that's really important to keep in mind. That's so well put. And I just wrote a blog. I just put it up yesterday about are you using your experiences to help other? And I can absolutely vouch for the fact that you do. You are so out there helping everyone who needs help and has questions. And it's just, it's fabulous. You talk about skill stacking and your strategies and you share everything, that everything, that all your experiences with others. And, and it's so great the way you do that. And I love that you learned that from your dad. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's really great. Do you have a favorite interview that you've done during COVID? Do you find that they're different during COVID than they were before? There's two, a couple questions in that I know. So. Yeah, I don't find that the interviews are too different. I've always pretty much done virtual interviews. Before COVID, I, I had a studio and I was just getting it ramped up and I interviewed Ryan Serhant in person right before COVID happened. And I was going to do, Chris Voss was going to come in person. So I had a lot of in-person things lined up that I had to cancel. And, uh, you know, I definitely am excited for COVID to be over because now that Yap is so big, like I can only imagine what our studio is going to be like. And I'm so, so excited to have like my Yap logo and I'm building that out right now, like a whole wooden backdrop with lights and all that stuff, which I'm, it's like a birthday present for myself. So I'm so excited about that. But in terms of the video, like I've been doing virtual for a long time. My favorite interview, I think. It's tied between Tim Story and Matthew McConaughey. I had Tim Story on my podcast, and he is super motivational, inspirational. We had a great conversation. My dad was brought up. We were, like, both crying, and, it, like, a lot of our listeners were really into that episode and, and were really touched because he actually lost his, like, almost his whole family in a car accident when he was younger, and it was just a lot a lot of stuff to talk about. And Matthew McConaughey came on my show and he's a huge celebrity and everybody was so impressed with that interview. Even though he's not my first celebrity interview, it was such a big name and it, it just, you know, a feather in my hat to be like, Matthew McConaughey came on my show, right? So that was just exciting in itself and he's so humble and I felt so blessed that he came on the show and he even promoted it. So it was just awesome. Yeah, that was very fun. What's the most common question that you're asked? I am always asked a lot about like how to start a podcast, how to grow LinkedIn. I'm asked a lot about my journey, about my failures, rejections. So uh, all those things. A lot of the things that you ask is stuff that I'm often asked. But you definitely ask different stuff too. I just wonder when people meet you and you tell them what you do, what's the most common question? Yeah, it's usually like how did you grow your podcast or like, why did you start your podcast or, or can, is, is it too late for me to start a podcast? The other thing that I get honestly is like, how do you get so lucky? <laughs> and I want to be like 10 years of hard work is how I've gotten so lucky, you know? So I get that a lot too, where people don't realize that it has not been an overnight success. I always tell my kids, we're the lucky family. They think I'm crazy, but yeah, it's all a mindset. Everything's a mindset. Yeah. Have you had any times when you just, you feel like giving up? No, I am like the most uber motivated person everywhere. I have enough motivation for 10 people. I feel like I can't sleep. I'm so motivated, honestly. So no, I never, ever feel like giving up because there's so much opportunity and I've got such a great team and I, I feel like sky's the limit, honestly. Yeah, it is. The sky is the limit. What would you tell somebody that's having a hard time getting up in the morning that isn't 
you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would tell them, you know, you need to start bringing things into your life that make you feel fulfilled. You need to start thinking about where you're spending your time, track your time. How are you spending your time? Are you watching a lot of TV? I don't watch any TV. The only TV that I watch is Shark Tank. And that's because it teaches me and like that's, it actually teaches me stuff about business and about how to succeed. So I only watch Shark Tank. I don't watch any TV. I'll watch movies, date night, whatever. But in terms of TV, I'm not watching TV. And I fill up that time with with fulfilling things, whether that's going on Clubhouse and networking or whether that's uh, going and doing a spa day or something that I enjoy personally. You know, I love to shop. I love to look nice. I love to get a massage. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like I do stuff that I like personally, get my nails done. And then I have a lot of passion because, you know, and here's the thing. I'm an entrepreneur now, so a lot of people listening probably have a job or they're they're busy moms or whatever it is, and they're probably like, oh, well, of course she's happy. She's an entrepreneur. But no, I was side hustling for three years. You know, I was working, I was an executive at Disney and HP, working a side hustle, following my passion, which was my podcast. And honestly, I did not like my corporate jobs. Like, yes, I was doing well, and, and some parts of it were interesting, but in general, like, that's not where my passion was. So that's why I started my podcast, so that I could feel fulfilled and happy and and full, you know? And so if you're having trouble waking up in the morning, even if you have a job that you have to keep and to keep sustaining yourself, try to find a passion, whether that's a hobby, have good intentions about it. Like don't even try to make money off of it. Just have a hobby and then see where it goes and just get better and better at it. Whether that's starting a social media profile, maybe that could be your hobby or learning how to, you know, bake or whatever it is. Just do something that makes you feel excited and have one thing that you're excited about the next day. Just one thing, 30 minutes, a workout class, whatever it is, pick one thing a day that you can be excited about and it doesn't have to make you money. So good. Do you have any spiritual practices that you do on a daily basis? You know what? When it comes to like meditation and and being spiritual, I I don't do any of that. I know that's like, I shouldn't say that. I probably should pretend I meditate or something, but I don't. You know, I really don't. I just, you know, I know what my top three priorities are of the day. I try to write that down in the beginning of the day. I call this a to-da list because it's realistic. I don't have 10 things. I have three things that I have to get done. I'm a busy, you know, entrepreneur with 40 team members. So I just pick the three major things. And in terms of like keeping myself grounded, I love to work out. I, I tend to end my day with a workout where I'll basically block out seven to eight And it's mandatory that I take time to do like a virtual workout. Usually it's like a dance class or something. And it just like gets me moving, gets me in a great, you know, vibe and also energized because my team, half of my team is overseas. They're in the Philippines and India. And so their day starts around nine and I kind of need to be re-energized for whatever meetings I have nine, 10 o'clock to take with the team. Yeah. Who do you follow? Who are, who, who are your mentors? I have a lot of mentors and podcasting is amazing because I actually get to speak and get to know my mentors and they be, and it's not just like these like people who I follow on social media, they, they become my peers and my friends and my clients. And so Jordan Harbinger is a number one podcaster and he was my uh, mentor from afar from a long, for a long time. And now we're like business partners selling media ads for podcasts together and, and, you know, talking once a week. So uh, he's become my real mentor and he started out as a podcast guest and that's how that evolved and also I served him I did him a lot of favors to try to get him as my mentor I uh, introduced him to guests for his show I wrote ad copy for his podcast reads and I just like 
kept throwing him into blogs that I was being featured on. And then he was like, finally, like, okay, Hala, like, let's talk more. Let me teach you some stuff. Like, you definitely paid your dues. And so now Jordan Harbinger is my mentor. Heather Monahan is one of my mentors. Like I said, she helped start my business. She pushed me to start the business. She was my first client. And honestly, a lot of my clients become my mentors. I know it's funny, like I mentor them on social media and podcasting, and then they mentor me on the business side because they're all typically like really, really successful CEOs. And part of the reason why they want to work with me is because they see the potential. So it's it's really fun. Hosting a podcast is amazing because you just build this incredible network. That makes complete and total sense. And when you're around somebody who's like a naysayer or that negative energy, do you have how what do you how do you deal with that? So negative energy is a good question. I try to just let that roll off my back. And here's the thing. I feel like when you have good karma and you treat your community well, I'm very much so like active in my own community. So on LinkedIn, I'm one of the biggest influencers, but I'm still responding to comments. I'm still responding to DMs. I'm taking the time to do that. And oftentimes if there's a troll it's my listeners and my fans who are like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't even have to say anything because I have like all these other people who have my back. Like, you don't even know, Hala. What are you talking about? You know? And so I feel like because if you have a strong reputation, it's like nobody can really break that unless there's some truth behind it. You know what I mean? So it's like when somebody just is attacking me or, or being hateful and there's no truth behind it, it's almost like they have nothing to stand on because nobody will allow them to because I've done so many helpful things for people. Like I'm all about helping people, even other podcasters. I have a podcast mastermind and really just share my knowledge and information. And so if anybody ever has anything bad to say about me, there's there's nothing to back it up. So I feel fine about it. I'm like, go ahead, say whatever you want. Uh, Like my reputation can't really be tarnished because I'm doing my best to be the best that I can and to serve everyone in my community. So uh, it's kind of just, I just let it roll off and keep moving. Do you have a message of hope that you'd want to give? Yeah, my message of hope to your listeners is that life is truly limitless and you have to believe that life is limitless in order to succeed. And the other thing is that you also have to write things down. So it's not just enough to think about your goal. You want to write it down, break it up into actionable steps, take those actions. But then the key to all of this is you have to believe that it's possible. If you don't believe that it's possible and you don't believe in yourself, nobody else can believe in you because they'll be able to smell it. Like just talking to you, if you don't truly believe that you can accomplish what you want to do, they'll be able to tell. And so you need to subconsciously wire it in your brain to believe that your goals are real, that they're possible, that they're already here, that they're just, you know, an inch away and like for you to grab and just to accept that, really, really believe that. And if you have trouble believing that your dreams are possible, you have some mental work to do. And you know if that's you. When you think about your goal, if you have a lot of like chatter, internal chatter telling you that it's not possible, you're, who are you thinking, like, who are you kidding, you'll never be able to succeed, you probably need to do therapy and and, and things like that to, like, get out of that mindset, because you'll never succeed with a mindset like that. I truly believe that I will be the biggest female self-improvement podcaster, and once I truly believe that is when everything started really skyrocketing, because I kept taking the actions toward that, but making little, little progress. As soon as I flipped the switch and was like, no, this is happening, and it's real, that's when everything accelerated for me. That is a great message of hope. Thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope, Paula. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you so much. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Hollis' messages of being intentional, passion, and happiness. With happiness, remember when one door of happiness closes, another one opens. But so often we're looking at that closed door, we don't get even see the door that's been open for us all along. So remember, whatever we focus on grows. And if you're not sure what to focus on or any kind of lack of focus on the website, there I have a free ebook, How to Be Your Best Self Now, and it helps you get focus and with Hala she learned from her father's death during COVID just how short life is so to go after your passions now and she's done just that and you can too so don't let imposter syndrome or something like that stop you I also have a blog post I wrote it's where you can take a quiz on imposter syndrome and with her message of passion passion is energy to feel the power that comes from focusing on what excites you that's a quote from Oprah be sure to you know, go after your passions now uh, so at 52weeksofhope.com, go ahead and take a look. There's so much on the website. Be sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode with Sean Bradley. This is unbelievable. He had this terribly abusive childhood. He ended up in a boy's home with, uh, it's just an unbelievable childhood. And he was, ended up in the federal penitentiary where he was with Al-Qaeda and Russian spies and he learned Russian. It's such an amazing story. But when he came out, he ended up working at this car dealership and it just, his career took off. He went from having no options, no plans, no hope. And he got out of prison and he put his other skills to a better use. And he went from having nothing and hitting rock bottom to becoming a multi, multi-millionaire with a huge platform of influence. And he lets you know there's hope everywhere when you're open to receive it. He gives back tremendously and offers so many tools how you too can succeed in so many areas of your life. It is such a great episode and so much fun to listen to. Even my editors commented that this is great, which I agree, definitely a must listen. So uh, if you're on Clubhouse, come and see me. I have the Hope Club on Clubhouse and please follow the podcast. Leave us a positive review. Tell two of your friends about it. Send us feedback on the website, 52weeksofhope.com. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.